called this Who's Building Whose Church? Who's Building Whose Church? And um, before I sort of unpack this, I don't know how far we're going to get with this tonight, but last Sunday morning we started what I call a journey. We started the journey. Um, And if you weren't here last Sunday morning, sorry, can I just encourage you, we've got some CDs out there at the info counter for free. You can grab them, go download the message on the website because if you're part of this community, you really need to understand where God's taking this community. And I just thought I'd give you five little things that I covered over the whole message. I talked about last year how we received two prophetic words from two prophets that were here speaking specifically to what was happening for us as a community. And those words were, the people that you were are not who you are today, and the people you are today are not who you are becoming. It's an internal shift that has nothing to do with external things. It's an internal thing that God is doing in the heart of us. God says we are to love him with all our heart, with everything you have. And if you don't, you're not worthy of him. It's a powerful, powerful statement he makes, isn't it? If you don't love me, if you love your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your own life more than me, you're not worthy of me. Powerful statement. David McCracken said when transition is embraced, it's empowering. When you get on board with what's happening, kingdom of God is advancing rapidly. Where? Right here. It's not an external thing before it's an internal thing. So I talked about that. I talked about how our heart needs to remain humble, pliable and moldable so we can receive the greater understanding of the depths of truth which changes us. One of the things we're going to look at tonight is the church is built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that really mean? Who is the church? And what does it mean to be built on the revelation of Jesus Christ? I discussed my own personal journey of change from an internal perspective and how this has changed me. For the last 18 months, I've been on a personal transformational change of the inside. God has redefined, realigned, reshaped my thinking, my thoughts. I said I'm seeing things in his word, the the words that are there, scriptures that are there, and, and receiving fresh sight on some of the things that he means. Rather than just reading through it and going, you know, I don't really understand that, I'll move on to the bits that I do. And we looked at some of those passages. I put some of those passages up and I said, you know, every single one of these is inspired by God. Whether we like it or not, whether they challenge us or not, they are inspired by God. And so if they're inspired by God and they're intentionally in this book, this life-giving food, then as his church, it is for us to understand the things that are in here because it's for us. that makes sense? Why would you not? And one of the questions I'm going to ask us tonight is in relation to that. And the fifth thing I shared was the three areas that we are going to be speaking to as a community is just headings that everything will fit into this, but there'll also be a crossover and so that was to love him and know him and know who we are in him and our purpose. I said that quite quickly, didn't I? To love him and to know him. Why is that so important? Why does the Bible actually say to love him with everything you have? See, sometimes we just get caught up in this stuff. We never ask the why question. Second thing, I will build my church. I and my are the powerful words in that statement. We're going to look at that, a little bit of that tonight. And the battle is for truth. We're going to look at that. And I just want to read this out because this is what I finished with last Sunday morning. I said there is more that God wants to show us in his word. Now what I mean by that is the revelation of the word. It's not trying to find something that's in this mystical place somewhere up in the sky. No, there is, in his word, we can capture the revelation of his word. The goal is to receive the revelation of what is written down and live this out. How many people here 
know that you're a son of God. Okay, now we're a son of God positionally. We possess that. How many people are living that reality out in their lives and what that means? Because on one aspect, it's great. We understand positionally that we are a son of God. But on one aspect, if you're not living in that and inheriting that, it really is a waste of information to you because we're called to bring the impact that a son has here on earth, son being a son and a daughter. And so the gap between that is the revelation of sonship, isn't it? Hence, Jesus builds his church on the revelation of the Christ. Just because we acknowledge Jesus one day in our hearts, which is awesome, and it's the starting process of building the church because it's me and you as a community, doesn't mean that that you can have that much of a revelation of the Christ. God wants to build you, and he builds it on the revelation of his Son. So we can acknowledge him, we can have the revelation that I need him in my world, I have a fallen nature, and I acknowledge that, and I ask him into my world, that's where our revelation can actually be. But if we are the church and we are being built from the inside, then I need a revelation, a greater revelation, which doesn't come from flesh and blood, it comes from heaven, so I can see and hear and be built on knowing the Christ. See, there is knowing and there is knowing. There is knowing about someone and then there is knowing them intimately. You can't even really put that into words. I had an encounter with Jesus 13 years ago and it just, I don't know how, I know stuff I don't know how I know. I haven't read it. I just know it. Why? Because somewhere in that mix, he did something in my heart where I know him intimately. I'm nowhere near at the fullness at that level because I think it's, it's limitless. But he really wants you to know him intimately, to have experienced him. Like I know my wife intimately. You guys maybe just know about her. You may have seen her. You maybe could tell me the colour of hair she has, the colour of eyes she has. But I could tell you what she likes for breakfast. I could tell you when she's having a good day, when she's having a bad day. I can tell you when work has sucked. I can tell you by the tone of her voice different things that you'd never know. Why? Because I know her intimately and you only know about her. Listen to what Proverbs 25.2 says. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. <laughs> it's interesting, eh? But it's the glory of kings is to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal things in his word and it is the glory of kings, we are kings and priests, sons, to go search it out. Like the man who found you know, the, 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 the treasure, he found the treasure in the field. He went searching for it. He then went back, sold everything he had for this thing. So God even tells us in his word there are things that he's concealed not from us but for us through revelation. It can only come through revelation. John 3.27 Man can only receive what is given him from the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. That's why it is critical we love him. We're in this relationship of intimacy with him. Developing this relationship. So we come into the understanding as he reveals his nature to us and as that happens we come into a greater depth of the things that are in here and I said that our aim is to unpack some of these things as we journey together covering one another as we go so we all come into the fullness of the inheritance I'm going to read Colossians 3, 23-25 to you. You may have seen this before. You may have never seen it before. 
just listen to these words. This is Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. I don't want to spend too much time on there because we're going to rip that apart later on, not tonight but some other time. But even just that, whatever you do, do it work heartily as for the Lord. What's the motivation behind serving God? What's the motivation behind wanting to be on the mic? What's the motivation to run a ministry? What's the motivation behind everything we do? Is it for Him? Are we being led in that process by His Spirit in that? Because this tells me that there is a reward of an inheritance And then the one who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong. I'm not talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about something else. This is what I mentioned last week about this judgment seat. And so there is levels of revelation that God wants us to come into. You know why? Because if we can see, if we can actually get sight of this inheritance to rule and reign with God, then it would actually motivate us to live a life here on earth, a transformation in our hearts. Because you can see it. It compels you, it motivates you to not only sing to God and come in and means like this, but to live your life completely dedicated to Him, to laying it everything down. And that's what He's saying. He's saying, if you love others, if you have idols in your life more than me, I love you, it's covered, but maybe you're not going to receive the inheritance that awaits you. And I'm not talking about heaven. okay? So I want to ask us all a question. The question is this. If there was more that the Father has in store for us as his children, that his word talks about, would we want to know what that was and what we might need to do to receive it? It's a simple question. Well, if you say yes to that, that's awesome. Buckle up, get your armour on, because you just entered a war. So bearing that in mind over the next few weeks, I want us to look at this statement that Jesus made when he said, I will build my church. Because I believe understanding, part of understanding this statement and how he outworks this in our lives is a crucial part to us receiving what Colossians 3.24 calls the reward of inheritance. That's why I've called this, who is building whose church? Matthew said, sorry, Jesus said in Matthew, I will build my church. And as I said before, I and my being these appropriate words. So let's come with me to Matthew 16, and this is where I'm just really going to preach from tonight. And as I say, we might have to do it this week and a bit next week. But there are things in here that God wants us to see and contend for. That's the whole point of his truth, is that it, as I've said this before, and you'll hear me say, it transforms you, it feeds you. For me, this last year has been a time of, I can feel his word right here. I can feel it. I can feel it. I know when I read it, it feeds me. That may sound weird. I don't know. When I dialogue with my brothers and we get into this, it feeds my, my spirit, man. It's like tangible you know what the Bible says? Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. On the revelation of the Christ, I will build my people. I hope you're hearing what I'm 
communicating tonight. But let's go Matthew 16, 1 to 20. My caption says, The Pharisees test Jesus. The Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? And even an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. Verse 5. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the five thousand? And how many basketfuls you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the four thousand? How many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Just my key thought, my one thought that you can write this down is that Jesus faces strong opposition to who he is, but also he faces opposition to the church that he comes to build and establish. So not only does he face opposition to who he is, he faces opposition to the church that he came to establish. Because these men, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they'd established institutionalized religion. And Jesus comes to build his church. His church hadn't yet been built. It was in the process of being defined. You see, we know that Jesus faces, and we face an accuser of the brethren. If you go have a look at Luke 4 and Luke 3, you'll see where the enemy comes to Christ. Jesus has just been baptized, and you hear this one voice saying, You are my son whom I love. I am well pleased. You flick over the page, and you hear another voice saying, If you are the son of God. So there is a battle for identity. If you really are the Son of God, battle for truth. One voice saying, you are my Son. The other voice saying, if you are. And so we have this battle with this accuser, but where I want us to go tonight, I, he also faced opposition in the form of these religious men called Pharisees and Sadducees. And I want to focus on this because the first thing we need to understand and get the revelation of is that the Pharisees and Sadducees were not just historical people who wore funny clothes, who lived in the days of Christ, but what Jesus faced first and foremost was a spirit. It wasn't a physical person, it was a spirit. And it's in opposition to how he builds his people and the way he does that. And it exists today just as much as it existed back then. 
Why? Because our battle's not with flesh and blood, is it? It's with forces of darkness for truth. And I want to read to you Ephesians. And this, as I say, guys, this is this is maybe a slightly different message that maybe some of you have heard. Listen to what Ephesians six ten to twelve says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, right now there is a battle going on in two kingdoms. There's two kingdoms, light and darkness. And so casually we can just get so consumed with just living here on this earth, living for tomorrow, and not even realize that there is demonic kingdom activity happening where there is battle going on, and we are part of that battle. When you sign up to be a follower of Jesus and you want to live in the ultimate truth and be defined by truth as God starts to show you things, opposition will come to prevent the church coming into the fullness of what God has for his church. What did Jesus say to his own disciples before he left them? One of the things he said, he says, make sure you're not deceived. He takes the elite 11. Guys, make sure you're not deceived. You know the danger of being deceived? You don't know you're deceived. Isn't it? You don't even realize it. See, there is way more to this Christian life than just living in what the Bible calls your justified state. There's way more than just acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and staying there. It's where the enemy would love us all to sit and stay. So when you start to realize through the revelation of who you are in God and what God has for you as a son and the role and responsibility he wants to give you as a son, and you enter into a process that the Bible calls sanctification, where you actually start to allow God to define you from the inside out, which means it's a death process to self. Spending time with the Spirit and intimacy with the Father, as that happens, He starts to reveal and peel back things for us to see in in accordance with the bigger picture that God has for His church. This thing called the Pharisaical Spirit, it comes to stop God's people receiving the fullness of God's absolute truth which is in his word. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 6. He says, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, what is the leaven of the Pharisees? Jesus tells his disciples in verse 12, he says, It's the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees which creates wrong belief systems and wrong building systems. What does that mean for us? It means a whole lot. Because we've got to understand that it's the revelation of Christ the church is built. And we can sit under teaching, we can sit under different people doing their things and not realize that, that maybe, maybe it's not the full truth or maybe we're not receiving what God has for us. Maybe there is man's agenda in those things. And I want to touch on some of that. But you know what's really scary? These men were passionate for the things of God, weren't they? These men were passionate. For the things of God. They were way more dedicated than I am in my relationship with the Father. They memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Memorized every single word. They were devoted to knowing God and keeping the law and being disciplined in all the areas of life. They truly believed they lived in truth and they were representing God accurate. They thought they were representing God accurate as his people. Yet when Jesus turned up to establish his church and how it would be built, they didn't have a clue who he was 
And we see this in verse 2 and 4, but also in John 5 and 39. So I'm just going to come back to Matthew. I'm going to read you verses 2 and 4. Are you getting this? These men that were so totally sold out for God, passionate for God, were doing what they thought was right. When the Christ comes, when God himself comes in the flesh, they would pray the prayer. They would pray the prayer of loving God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. It would be their daily prayer they would offer up to God. And when the God of the universe turns up, they miss him. I don't know about you, that's quite a scary thing. You think you know the scriptures, but the one who stands in front of you, why? Didn't have the revelation of the Christ, of who he was. Listen to what verse 2 says. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? You can discern when it's about to rain, but you can't discern when Jesus Christ turns up on earth. We've got a bit of a problem there for a Pharisee. You might say to me, Greg, that's great. How does that relate to me today? And that is a great question. Because I'm hoping that we all here, if we haven't yet, are entering into a relationship with Jesus where we are by faith believing in what he did on the cross and we have acknowledged that and asked him into our life, which means we have entered the kingdom. Okay, We've entered into it. But that doesn't mean, depending on the revelation we had at that point in time, is going to determine some things. As I said before, it's on the revelation of Jesus that the church is built. So the greater the revelation you have of Christ, the greater you lay your life down for him. The greater the revelation you have of love, the greater the level you'll serve him with. The greater the revelation, you know, the Bible says, how deep is this love? So there are depths of it. The greater you receive, the greater understanding of revelation in your heart, it changes you. And so to give you an idea, and I said this a week ago, I would never have said a year ago that it is not about the lost. That was me. I went to a conference. I won't name the conference, where the conference is very much about the lost and let's get in the church out there, mobilizing the church and getting out there and seeking the lost. Are the lost still important? Are people who don't, let me put it in non-biblical biblical terms, are the people who don't know Jesus important? Of course they are. Okay, absolutely. The year before I'm at this conference and I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. Last year at the conference I'm going, no, it's not anymore. It's about God's people coming into the fullness of who God has called them to become on the inside first, and from that place now, the reason because you can do that, you hear, you know, you spend time with the Father, you hear the Father's voice, and then you go and do the works that He calls you to. Are we called to do the works? Of course we are, but we better do it via spirit-led works and not just doing any works. And that's why in John 15, if you read that passage about remain in me, apart from me, you can do nothing. In my terminology, you can't do jack that develops any sort of fruit. You may think you are. You may be out there like I was. Well, hey, you know, but, but it's got to be spirit-led. Okay? It's spirit-led. And that comes first from knowing the Father and being intimate with Him. And so how does this relate to me? Well, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15. It says this, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritually appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. The verse before that says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him and it comes via the Spirit. 
And then we hear this passage here where it's saying, you know what, if you, just, if you allow this natural nature to, dedicate, to dictate how you live, you won't understand, you won't come into the greater things of the Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit man, Spirit woman. We are Spirit-led people. We are not, they didn't receive the revelation. Peter didn't receive the revelation of the Christ through flesh and blood. He received it directly from heaven. Am I making sense at all? If I'm not, come and see me. <laughs> I know at times I don't make sense. There's something greater. We've got to walk, we've got to learn how to. This is stuff we're going to talk about. How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we develop the Spirit? Not just walking around like, you know what, we're just living life here today. Because there is more for those. Listen to what Romans 8.14 says. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Wow. Now, this is the all-inspired word of the Father. As I said last week, this isn't to condemn us, guys. It's to convict us. It's to lead us into the fullness of what he has. So he's saying, all who are being led by my spirit are on a journey of my spirit. They are dying to their human nature and they are partaking of the divine nature through allowing the promises that are in this book to define who they are. They are the sons of God. They come into knowing their authority. So once again, we possess it, but are we inheriting it? Is it living out of us? Do you want to be light and salt? We are the light of the world. We are the soul of the world. Now I've just put this in. I believe we need to check our own hearts to make sure we are not affected by this same spirit especially when it comes to how we think Jesus builds his church and what that even means. What did he mean when he said, I'm going to build my church? Did he mean this? And this? Isaiah 55.8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. It's interesting, eh? Especially when it's built on a revelation, a a peeling back of who he is. The Bible teaches in Matthew 16 that the church is built on the revelation of the Christ and the only way this revelation can come is from the Father. The reason Jesus is asking, who do people say I am, is because he is looking to see who has received the revelation of who he is and who who he thinks, sorry, the revelation of who he is and who thinks he is. I'll start again. The reason Jesus is asking, who do people say I am, is because he is looking to see who has received the revelation of who he is and not just thinks he's just the carpenter's son. Because it means a whole different ballgame. If you receive the revelation of the Christ, that's way different than just knowing about him as the carpenter's son. He's that guy that makes tables. Now, once again, we can come in of our. I'm, I'm not. You know, we hopefully as we've entered into this, we have some sort of revelation of the Christ. But if the church is being built, and we are the church, then we are to be built on the revelation. I'm my building process is still going. That's why the greater the revelation we have of the Father, the greater we understand Him and the way He does things. I've met plenty of Christian leaders and followers who think building the church is about coming to services, singing some songs, giving some money, living for the vision of the house, attending leaders' meetings, running a ministry, becoming the next Christian band, even sharing the gospel now and again. Now, are these things wrong in and amongst themselves? No. Are these things to be the outworkings of our relationship with Jesus? Yes, of the Spirit led. Did Jesus mean way more than this when he said, I will build my church? You better believe it. We've got some good friends and 
they were going to a fairly significant community of people in Auckland. Massive place. Been involved there for 25 years. Caught up what I would call in the machine of putting on services, making sure the lightning is awesome, making sure the pyrotechnics all work, making sure the smoke screens all work, making sure the attractional model is working to keep people in the house. They decide, you know what? I've done this for 25 years, three days a week out till 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, putting on this thing. They decide, you know what? We need a break. Burnt out. You know the response they got from the leadership? Got a wrong attitude. Got a bad attitude. What's the matter with you? If you walk away from this house, you walk away from your destiny. I don't know, I thought our destiny was heaven. That's a scary thought, isn't it? See, we've got to be so careful that we see what Jesus meant when he fully said, I am building my church. And the church that I'm building, the gates of Hades, the enemy, will not overpower it. What this church does, it stands strong and it pushes back the gates of Hades. These are people who are defined by truth and are allowing my son to develop them on the inside first and foremost. The righteousness of Christ, the peace, the joy. That's what the kingdom of God first and foremost is. It's an invisible, internal transformation of a person's heart before it's ever about laying hands on anybody. Luke 17.21, Jesus said, you guys are looking for it. He said, it's in you. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he was saying, I am building a people who willingly allow me to transform them through my truth on the inside. It's my people who are the building or the temple, not this man-erected building, a people who reflect me in character and nature firstly, who know who they are in me and are living for my will and not their own. This firstly is what the kingdom of God is before it's about healing, receiving a prophecy, serving in a ministry, even sharing our faith. It's about an invisible, internal, transformational process of a person's heart. That is what the Sermon on the Mount was all about. You see, if you look at that passage, Jesus comes, he starts his ministry and he's in Decapolis and he's doing all these healings and it's all cool. And I reckon everybody's getting incited. Wow, look at the ministry, man. It's awesome. Look at all this stuff. And he says, okay, guys, we've done this. Now come up the mountain because I'm really going to tell you what it means to be a follower of mine. I'm really going to show you the level of cost that's involved. I'm going to teach you some character traits that need to be developed in you. Blessed, firstly, is the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Those that know who they are in him, that are allowing his will to be defined in their life, not their own. Your will be done in my life. You know when we pray the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you know what you're saying? You're saying, I want to get all these words out. You're saying this. Let your kingdom, your rulership, your authority, your dominion, your commandments, your righteousness, your nature be established in my heart and it is no longer about my will but I choose to do your will from now on your way. Woo! That's the church Jesus Christ is building on this planet. You know what? And we're all to be partaking of it because there is an inheritance that awaits us, those that are allowing this process to take place now and in the future kingdom. 
So I ask you again that question. If there were more in God's word that you wanted to know about, (laughs) would you want to go with it and allow it to happen? That's why Jesus said, he said, you know what? If you're going to follow me, you better count the cost. This isn't just about throwing some bits out. I'm going to take you and I'm going to give you my power, my authority, and, and you are going to be transformed into my image. Romans 8, 28, 29. God predestined us to be conformed into his image. How do you think that's going to happen? That's why the Bible says partake of his sufferings. Through that process, you actually discover, you get a revelation of who God is. As you enter into a trial, as you enter into persecution, as you enter into a process and trust in God, not your own feelings, he reveals himself through the process which makes you stronger, adds a block of faith, and you come into another level of revelation of the Christ. So once again, what's it on? On the revelation of Jesus, my people will enter this process because the greater the revelation you have of him, the greater the level of love in your heart for him. The greater the level of love in your heart for him, the more you'll sacrifice for him. I can't die to myself. It's the love of Christ in me that motivates me to allow that process to happen. Is this making sense? What you love, you will lay your life down for. That's why he talks about loving brothers. You'll lay your life down for your brother. The, God, the love of God in us. That's why it's so important we have this intimate relationship with, with the Father. We're, di- we're discovering more and more who He is. That's why He says, love me with all your heart. It's not rocket science, but we have to capture the revelation of what I'm saying. And there is a spirit called a pharisaical spirit that tries to stop us hearing this. It tries to block this. Because it knows if, this, if, if the church, if everyone in this room captures and I pray you do, captures the revelation, you will be redefined, transformed, powerful. People will look at you and go, crikey dick, who's that? You will have download of wisdom and prophetic insight and, and joy and peace coming out of you. You will be the light of the world. And you will bring his rulership and his dominion firstly through you and through you to a world. It's the purpose of it. And there awaits a greater level of responsibility in that, in a future kingdom. What's fascinating is when Jesus mentions to be aware of the leaven of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees who were building man-centered temples and religious institutions, the disciples truly didn't have a clue what he was talking about. They are still talking about bread and lunch. He's trying to get through to them. We better be careful of these guys over here. They're teaching what you listen to. The faith comes from hearing. Guess what? Death comes from hearing. What you what do you listen? We've got to be careful. And they're like, What? Anyone get what this fella's on? We can be no different. We've got to be in the Spirit. If I go back to that scripture that I talked about in Corinthians, got to be in the Spirit to receive what's in the Spirit. If we're of the flesh, if we're of the... As I said to you before, this stuff can just be happening and you're totally unaware of it. He says, you men of little faith... He then takes them through the process again of what he has just done in feeding the 5,000 until they get what he's trying to teach them. That's why repetition is so important in here. You know, people go, oh, I'm sick and tired of hearing the same thing. Well, have you caught it yet by revelation? Or are you just on to the next thing? Because we think if we know it intellectually, we've got it. But unless it drops from heaven to your heart, We really don't have it. Unless it's feeding you, unless it's feeding you to change, unless it's becoming, you know, you are, joy is tangible. 
It's tangible, guys. The peace of God that goes beyond our intellect is tangible. It's formed in you. And so there is knowing and there is knowing again, coming back to my wife analogy. And so the purpose of it, obviously, is when we go through some things, we have to stand. Stand strong and reflect Christ to a world. See, my challenge is, am I building into my girls for what's coming? The Bible talks about the end of the world. If it is in my daughter's lifetime, am I building into my girls an internal heart system so when that happens, they stand and reflect Christ to a world? Or are they like the world, running around panicking? Actually, are we looking forward to the return of Christ? Because if you're built, if, 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 imagine this. Imagine I've got a job, and my job is linked to somewhere in America at the moment. The American economy is not doing too well. Imagine the call comes and says, my job's gone. Now, have I built my life on that? Or am I being built by Christ on what I've just talked about? Where I can stand strong because I'm trusting in God, not this employer who's giving me my paycheck. Can you see what I'm trying to say? So the church Jesus is building, it can have these things. There's nothing wrong with what I described in and amongst themselves as long as this internal wiring system is being built as well because it's from there that you actually do these things. That's why people burn out in ministry because they're doing a whole lot of stuff God never asked them to do. Carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. I was one of them 12 months ago. Faith isn't just about believing in God. I'm going to finish with this. Or believing in God's ability to perform a miracle. That's a good start. But Jesus here is talking about faith to see in the unseen realm. Faith to see the bigger picture. Faith to see God's ultimate plan for his church and how he builds it and believing in this so we receive the reward of our inheritance. You see, we don't understand to believe, we believe to understand. So often we're trying to understand here and then I'll believe. Don't work. That's the world. In the kingdom, I believe, I take a step of faith, understanding will come. Abraham isn't known as the father of faith because he led his people to a new land. He's called the father of faith because he saw in the spirit a city in the future that he believed was his inheritance and because he believed in this, it was credited to him as righteousness. So what does this mean for us? Maybe Dave and just the team can come back. And I'm just going to ask you this question and if you'd like to, you can just... Ask God this question. What does this mean for us? What does this mean? Where are we at in our relationship with the Father and allowing that process of growth to happen? Allowing Him to build His nature and character on the inside of us. If we were to take the Matthew 5, they call them the Beatitudes or the character traits, go have a look at Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemaker. If you were to take those character traits which God wants to form in you and go, where am I at in reflection to this? When someone comes at me at work or wherever I am, does joy and love and peace come out of my heart for this person or am I slamming them back? Because Jesus said, blessed are the persecutors to theirs of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if someone slaps you on this face, he said, good, give him a David Tua left hand. <laughs> By the way, did David Tua win last night? Suck. See, maybe you should have just said, hit me again. <laughs> no, we don't, do we? You love people. He said, if someone comes and nicks your jacket, 
expensive jacket this, born in Camden Market. Someone comes and nick that. What do I do? Go find No, no, I come, I give them my, this jacket too. Follower of Jesus. Disciple of Jesus. Different internal system is being developed. I will build my church. And from this, we go into the world. Now, am I saying you have to wait till that happens? No, it's all part of the same thing. We're going to look at that as we go forward. Apart from me, remain in me. I am the vine. Sit with me, because on the revelation of me, you'll be built. Apart from me, you can't produce any sort of fruit in your life. Allow the Spirit of God right now, these guys just sing over you, to you, through you. Allow Him to minister to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Don't allow anything else to beat you up or go to these places of, oh man, I'm just, I'm a loser, I'm a this. That's just of the enemy. You're chosen, set apart. You're a son, you're a daughter, you are loved. You are called to be the bride of Christ, overcomers. Ask the Father, the Father, to reveal to you. That's not maybe current, our reality. Reveal that. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you that you've empowered and helped me to somehow get this stuff out. And I pray, God, that it's sort of come out in a way that people can understand it. I thank you, God, that truly have so much for us, an inheritance that awaits, where you will give us positions of responsibility and roles to rule over different things. And you're looking right now for a church, disciples, who will live in that reality now, allowing themselves to be changed and transformed into the image of your Son. So we all enter into that wedding ceremony. We all enter into the wedding feast and experience the intimacy of knowing you. Not just about you, but partaking of that. In Jesus' name. Amen.